Good morning and welcome to Our American Heritage. I am Arch Hunter, the host of the program. Our American Heritage is a program where we explore in depth the American experience from its beginning to the present. And today we want to welcome as our special guest, Rebecca Price Shanty. Rebecca, thank you for coming back and sharing with us today. Oh, it's always a pleasure, Arch. Oh, it's a wonderful pleasure for me to have you here as you've come back. I think it's been over a year. Lessers, I I, yeah. <laughs> Rebecca is a graduate of Lafayette College and Princeton Theological Seminary, and she has earned her doctorate from the Biblical Seminary of focusing on the role of women in American history. Rebecca also is a member of the Daughters of the American Revolution. Her husband is a son of the American Revolution, and your son is a member of the Children of the American Revolution. That's right. Everybody but the dog. Everybody but and the dog. I didn't want to bring up the dog because you know how dogs go. What, the name of your dog, Rebecca? Perry. Perry Como. Oh, like Perry Como. Right, right. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. Rebecca, how many books now have you written? It's, I believe the number is at least 24. Is that correct? Well, you're very close, Arch. I have number 26 coming out in a few weeks. Amazing. Just, I, I don't know how you are able to come out with these wonderful books at the pace you do, but they're just amazing. And what is your latest book coming out, Rebecca? It's called Easton at Sunset, and it will be the final installment in my Easton series of novels. They're historical novels. And how many do you have in the Easter series? It'll be six. Wow. And it, fortunately, I've built up a, a very kind readership who has asked for more, and my publisher and I agreed in a series after this that will take the next generations after the American Revolution of the same family in the same place, but we will travel with them through American history together. So I'm really excited about that. And is there any time period when you're going to begin to start that new series? I'm hoping that the first one will be out in about a year. I think well, I'm writing faster than my publisher can publish them. <laughs> Well, that's that's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have. Yes. <laughs> uh, several weeks ago, when we saw what was taking place at Asbury College and the revival there, immediately I wanted to have Rebecca on and talk about what was going on at Asbury and the history of revivals and how that can uh, you know influence our culture and society. Uh, Rebecca has written, I believe, at least two books in reference to the revivals at Asbury. Is that correct? I've written a couple of books that were anthologies of American stories, and I included the 1970 Asbury revival in those. And then three years ago, at the 50th anniversary of that 1970 revival, I went to Asbury and launched my novel, Sweet, Sweet Spirit, which is based on one woman's spiritual journey to the Asbury College revival. So I've done some nonfiction and some fiction about that story. And Rebecca, I'm going to totally change the subject for 30 seconds because I will forget to tell you this. Last fall, when we had Heritage Days at the Paoli Battlefield, and the Daughters of the American Revolution, I believe it was the Valley Forge chapter, Probably. came 
it came and set up uh, their own booth and, and their information. And as I was going around helping directing the different organizations to set up, I stopped at their booth. And Rebecca, I simply mentioned your name to them. And there was 10 minutes of just glowing comments about you and how much they love you and respect you and they appreciate you and just so many wonderful things that they said about you. So I just wanted you to know that. Oh, that is just so kind. Thank you. I I love them. They're my sisters. It's where I began my DAR journey and they are very dear to me. Well, it was wonderful for me to and very, I guess, proudful to tell them that I know you a little bit and have interviewed you and just a wonderful godly woman that you are. So they, they had glowing things to say about you. So uh, it was, so it, it, it is. And it's so nice to, to hear those things about someone else. So share with us, please, what was going on at Asbury and what what's happening because of that and what's happened in the past. And so you can start, Rebecca, please, wherever you want and share what what is happening and what was going on there from the past or the present and hopefully what's going on into the future i think i'll set the stage with the 1970 revival because it really does indeed form the foundation of what we've seen in the past several weeks my husband by the way is a graduate of asbury college and we went in 1995 to his class reunion and during that time, we were sitting in Hughes Auditorium, which is the school chapel, and they unveiled a new film called When God Comes. Oh. And it was a mini documentary about the 1970 revival. Well, I had never heard of it before, but by the end of that documentary, it was like I had a call upon my life that I needed to tell this story. And I needed to tell it in whatever way God gave me to tell it. And it just completely arrested my attention. I would say, like few other stories have done, I have a real passion about telling the history of the American Revolution. And this story was right up there with that. And basically what happened is also rising out of a very tumultuous time in our history. While college campuses across the country were aflame with dissent, there were sit-ins, there were raids on college mm -hmm. administration offices, the Vietnam War was at its height and the protests were getting really ugly. And that spring is when the Kent State shootings took place. So that will give you a backdrop of what happened that spring. And all was not well at Asbury either. Although it's a small Christian college, it's since gotten larger, but it's still on the small side. And it's in a town that reminds me so much of the old Annie Griffith show. <laughs> it's like... Mayberry. Wilmore mm -hmm. is like Mayberry. They even have a barber shop next to the drugstore. <laughs> and I I fell in love with the town the first time I saw it. But there was a lot of discontentment on campus. The administration had been through several changes of leadership over the past couple of years. There were 
students who thought that the school was too backwards and I think that they were feeling the pull of tumultuous time in our history, if you will. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, there was a student named Janine who came there as a freshman and saw what was going on and began to keep a notebook. And in that notebook, she had the names of every student, administrator, and professor. And every day she would choose one and she would prayer walk the campus and pray for that person. And then in, I believe it was December or January, she very boldly began to ask if students would like to meet with her in prayer. And a few began meeting and that formed the nucleus of what happened on February 3rd. The Dean was supposed to speak in their regular chapel service that morning. And he had this idea, no, I, I'm going to put my, sermon aside, and I'm going to allow students to share their testimonies. And student after student got up and began to talk about what God was doing in their lives in a very transparent way. And it wasn't just, oh, I got an A on my algebra test, or I got the date I was hoping for. It was deep stuff. It was my parents are divorced and I'm aching inside. It was on that level. And then people began to confess their sins. And that chapel service went on nonstop 24-7 for eight days. Oh, eight days. Yeah. And, and people's lives were transformed. There were administrators getting up and confessing how they had been unkind to other people in the college. There were people from... Wilmore, who came and said they needed to get right with God. The college began to receive requests from other schools to send witness teams, and dozens of students went to other college campuses. I think it was something like 130 college campuses, mm-hmm. and wherever they went and told the story, revival broke out. The same thing happened when students traveled abroad that summer. They went to 15 different countries, and again, wherever the story was told, revival broke out. So that's what happened in 1970. I'll pause there in case you wanted to say anything. I have a few questions for you. You know, we lived through that terrible time in American history with the Vietnam War and the protests and our our country coming apart at the seams. How had revivals in America benefited in society or in our culture as they have spread out from Asbury and to other colleges into our culture, particularly from 1970 on? I think that if you've seen, I'm sure you've heard of, I'm not sure if you've seen the movie Jesus Revolution. It's it's been out about two weeks now, and it tells the story of the Jesus movement that began around that same time. So it was an entire generation that was seeking, and many of them were seeking God or spiritual renewal through drugs through rock and roll, through free sex, whatever they thought would bring them to God, they would try it. And many became disillusioned and began turning to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And there was an incredible movement of God 
in those days among the young people. And I think the effects of it are still being felt. So it does seem that in the current context that God is using the youth of the country, some of the most unlikely people to go out there and be conveyors of his grace. Listeners, Rebecca and I, and Rebecca, I'm going to speak for you for a moment, and I apologize if I misconstrue anything. Uh, Rebecca and I share some uniquenesses together. We're not we're we're historians, but we're also evangelical Christians, and right. we we not only see American history through the the history but also the spiritual dynamics that is working in our country where we are constantly praying and hoping for revival throughout our nation, and we see that here. So if there's anything, Rebecca, that you would like to add to that, what I just said, please be my guest. No, you're quite right. I do interpret history through the lens of God's activity, and that permeates all of my writing. So that's where I'm coming from as I tell these stories. And so we as believers, we pray for revival, we pray for our country to come back to a biblical viewpoint, a God-fearing viewpoint, and we see these revivals breaking out in our nation, and we continue to pray that that will continue to mushroom out throughout our culture, through the youth, through the parents, through children, and also permeate our, our country again to take a stand on what we believe to be true. Yes. I think that one of the things that really struck me about this latest manifestation of God's presence at Asbury is something that President Kevin Brown said to alumni on a Zoom call while it was taking place, that what he was seeing was, and, and I'm using his words at this point, hungry, hungry, starved people. And... He said that this generation, Gen X, is just completely hungry, hungry, and starved for God. They have been through some of the worst years of American history in recent years. Many of them come from very unstable backgrounds in their home lives, (laughs) and what happened at Asbury on February 8th was these young people coming together, a few of them in the beginning, and then mushrooming again after a regular chapel service. Nothing, you know, that would indicate before it happened that anything like this was about to explode. But the students just stayed behind and were confessing to each other and saying how depleted they were and how they needed God. And students who were in classes, who had left chapel at the end and then went to their classes, felt drawn back to Hughes Auditorium. There was just something that they said they would be sitting in their class, and several said they just couldn't concentrate. They felt they had to go back. And when they told their professors, their professors said, by all means, go. Mm -hmm. And that's when it broke. And I remember this was Wednesday, February 8th. That Friday morning, my husband texted me, and he said that his best friend from Asbury had just texted him 
that the chapel service from February 8th was still going on. Wow. And I immediately thought, oh my goodness, is this another outpouring? <laughs> it seems almost too good to be true because it had been over 50 years, but it had all the earmarks of it. And I began, oh, oh Arch, I wanted to get in my car and go to Kentucky so bad. <laughs> but I didn't. Fortunately, due to the internet, I was able to participate online. And every day for the next two weeks while it went on nonstop, I was able to, in between working and life, I was able to participate online. So it definitely was not just on the level of what had happened in 1970, also rising out of a very tumultuous time in our history, but I think that it surpassed it. And the revival in 1970, which at Hesbury, with what's going on in our country, is there other areas or aspects that we see how that influenced the, or is continuing to influence us as a nation? I think that from 1970, that the people who participated in it said that they were never the same after that. And I've interviewed many of them. I've had the joy of meeting many of them. As a matter of fact, when I went down there for the 50th reunion to launch my novel, I got positively giddy every time I met one of the people who had been there. They were my rock stars. And they said that they told the story. They had been telling it throughout their lives. One of the students, the one that I mentioned, who had the notebook and went around and prayed for everyone, ended up as a missionary. And she went into the prisons where the drug cartels were very influential. And she put herself in harm's way over and over again to share the love of Christ with those hard-bitten <laughs> men. And... There was another man who told me that he had traveled the world telling the story and that wherever he went, whenever he shared the story, people would give their lives to Christ. <laughs> another alumni became a judge and a politician, and his work helped transform his little corner of the world. So those are just a few examples of what became of many of those students. And I think those are representative of many of their classmates. And I think that the students of today are also going to have a major influence as they go out and share the story, which they are doing now. Mm -hmm. And Asbury is preparing them to go out and share. It's an exciting time. Yes. Is this particular revival that took place a couple of weeks ago, is there a lot of difference between that revival and what we call the First Great Awakening uh, back in the 1730s and 40s? I think there are parallels because it's the same God. I think that some of the manifestations are a little different because the culture is different. Mm -hmm. But when I think about that first Great Awakening, which featured George Whitfield and Charles and John Wesley and Jonathan Edwards, to name a few, 
there was tremendous transparency. There was excitement as people's lives were changed. And as a result of people's lives being changed, the culture around them began to change. And I think that now what we're going to see, what I think that we're seeing is that these young men and women whose lives are being transformed are in turn going to influence those in their particular places in life. And I think that we can expect the same kind of result. I look back to about a week into the revival and I thought this was really kind of a funny story that there were hordes of people descending upon Wilmore. Estimates are that 50 to 75,000 people visited Wilmore in that two-week period. And mind you, this is a little town of 6,000 with mm -hmm. one grocery store. I think they have one, they have one of everything and very little else. And these people were just so hungry for God. And, oh my goodness, where was I going with this? There are so many neat stories. Uh, it's just so <laughs> exciting when it happened. Oh, okay. It's, it's about the excitement. Excitement. People were, yes, they were pouring into Hughes Auditorium, many of them waiting outside in long, long lines for hours in order to be able to go in. And at one point, one of the administration called students who were up in the balcony she said if you are worship jumpers please come down to the first floor this is a really old building mm -hmm. and if you're up there bumping around we're a little worried about the balcony holding <laughs> so while there was like in the first great awakening kind of those moments of quiet sweet worship <laughs> there were also moments of great excitement. Uh -huh. And so you had these so-called worship jumpers who were encouraged to come down out of the balcony so they didn't wreck the place. <laughs> and Rebecca, we're up a, a, a time for this segment, but I, uh, when I was talking to my wife a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about this. You know, we, we concluded not necessarily that we all have the same theological beliefs, but we're inside of Christianity. And our God is much bigger than what my set of theological viewpoints are, and just marvel at allowing God to work in, in individual lives and praying that that broadens out and continuing to affect all of our country as a society. And I do believe that that in particular was the hallmark of the First Great Awakening and of what we're seeing mm -hmm. it as today that people from different theological backgrounds came together yes. and it was yes. truly vertical worship. Yes. It, they surpassed any kind of denominational boundaries or mm -hmm. differences focused on Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Thank you. So, Rebecca, if, if, while we close, would you share with our listeners, please, where they'd be able to purchase your writing and where they could go to find that and also your podcasts? Sure. I have a website, RebeccaPriceJanny.com, and all my books are listed there. They are sold through Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, and ChristianBook.com. And my podcast is called American Stories with Rebecca Price Janney, and it's on Spotify. Spotify. Okay. Well, thank you. So, listeners, please 
Yeah, all of Rebecca's books, they're all wonderful. I have read several of them myself, and they are so, so not only enjoyable, but they're so spiritually encouraging to the reader. So thank you for your ministry and what you're writing and your gifts for allowing our Lord to use you in mighty ways, Rebecca. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me, Arch. My privilege to have you. So, listeners, we're going to continue with Rebecca, and she's going to talk about the revival at Asbury that happened several weeks ago. So, this is 1180 AM WFYL, Working for Your Liberty. 